open to whatever this day may bring. Open to see it is all a blessing. Recently, you spoke about traditional Advaita and neo Advaita, and we put this on the podcast page. Oh, and okay. can you describe again each of these paths? Well, you know, to be honest, I don't really know that much about neo Advaita. It's a term that I heard. I didn't. I was not there at the birth of it. I don't know what they're talking about. But I've met some people who are allegedly practitioners of it. And uh, you know, if their if their if their attitude is anything to go by, if it is, you know, an accurate reference for a new advisor, and then I say, my gosh, you know, um, we have to talk a bit more because they seem to be saying, well, there's nothing to do, there's nobody there to do it, so what's the point of even inquiry? Inquiry is a joke because who is there to inquire? There's only the self. What does the self have to inquire? And I say, hey, hang on a second, slow down a little bit there. Who are you speaking? Who are you? Who is speaking? Are you the self? Well, there's only the self. There's not. I said, yes, yes. We know the talk. I know the talk, and many people can they can speak like that. But uh, something energetically does not sit right. You are definitely feel like you are definitely a person, saying that you are not a person. I thought this is something very strange. Like, I mean, who who do you who do you convince like that? I mean, who was convinced by such a talk? It sounds on paper very good. If Ramana Maharishi was speaking like that, and I'm saying not because he's just a name, but because I have read and listened to Ramana's teachings and found them thoroughly, um, what I'd call that they settle completely and confirm very powerfully experiences within my own self. Now, if he, those words were being spoken by Ramana, and they would not be spoken by Ramana in that way anyway, but then they would be more palatable. But just to hear somebody saying there's nobody there, I mean, who is there to who is there to realize? It sounds fine, and it does catch quite a few people, especially those people who have not really entered into the experience of seeing, mm-hmm. but who are more sort of switched on by this type of talk that sounds so comprehensive that there's no nothing to do and you have to be careful here because it can be very very attractive to the ego to feel there's nothing you need to do and what about ego there is no ego ego does not exist and yet at the same time in your life this very clear that some egoic Identity is present, denying its own egoity. This is a very dangerous play for me. So, in one point, I can say the words, as far as words are concerned, is true largely, but they don't equate to the experience itself. And so, in the end, it's the experience that matters, not the teaching. A teaching is completely useless unless there are practitioners. Who somehow has recognized or has grasped the teachings so that they become experienced. Otherwise, you cannot just keep believing something. It has to be also experienced. So this is my my one of my points that we started to rub against each other a little bit.
of course what the neo advaita groups the ones who i have met what they say something is refreshing about it because they they like myself also point to the immediacy of truth that it is here it is what we are the difference is i don't expect people to get it only like this and that it stays many people have come to that profound state of recognition inside themselves but it seems to be momentary it doesn't last and then they feel like oh my mind came back in of course it's going to come back in we've been living for quite a long time with the uh, in the company of with mind so it's not going to just vanish it's going to come back and it's good that it comes back because if you have fully understood then the mind cannot come back it cannot cause anything by coming back when it comes back it will be coming back now as a devotee to the heart it cannot be coming back to intimidate the heart if the heart has really understood uh, the message you see so the very fact that people say yeah will the mind come back uh, or that it comes back but it doesn't really exist i said no 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 if it doesn't exist it doesn't effectively come back experientially there's no coming back you see so this is another point uh, when it is clearly understood inside the heart it is a confirmed experience you see and then thereafter if the mind feeling comes back it is understood that that is just somehow the play of waves on the surface of the ocean the ocean being which is now not a belief anymore but a confirmed truth uh, remains without any um is not upset by any play on the surface of the being such as the movement of emotion of thought projections or any kind of uh other kind of phenomena whether you may call it depression and so on this is redundant this is finished now for that mm, that is as far as the advaita neo advaita apparently neo advaita movement uh are concerned we can talk more about that if we go back to the perspective of what we call traditional um, advaita vedanta uh there are many practitioners equally and very sincere in their practice there are many people in this field who try as best as they can to follow ramana's teachings in the heart for the most part they approach with tre- tremendous integrity the 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 inquiry what i've found however is that there seem to be almost a dedication to the practice and i'm wanting to see the fruit of the practice more because you can get tied into a kind of practice and the practice itself becomes the fruit and i've seen people who enjoy immensely to go and sit in virupaksha cave or you know skanda ashram or something like this and i've been there myself it is a beautiful space to sit but if it is only about sitting in a cave you cannot spend well some people can but not most people are not going to spend the rest of their lives in a cave and i'm thankful for that because if you come out from the cave and find that you come out from yourself then i don't find that that is really the experience um that ramana is pointing to any um experience of silence cannot be a silence that is being kept by anyone it has to be the silence which is synonymous with the self or the being itself it's just there nobody's keeping silent 
when that is f- fully discovered, then there's a silence to the background uh, and foreground of being, whereby even if you are to shout or to speak loudly or to act very you know visually loudly, there's still a, a silence um, emanating from your presence. You're not a keeper of silence, and you're not a, a keeper of peace. You're not a peacekeeper necessarily. You have no roles, no, no labels. Nevertheless, there's a profound um, emanation of peace and silence about you, and this is detectable by all beings who have a sensitivity, irrespective of what their religious persuasion or background is. It is something that is predating uh, religion. It is the the energy field that is somehow emanating out of pure presence, like that. So I am not just talking about sitting in cave. Also, there are people who are meditating. Uh, they again also can get into what I call the trap of meditation, which is to be just meditating, meditating, meditating. Uh, one should find out who is the meditator and who is meditating for what purpose and who will benefit from the meditation. You see, is it the self that is meditating? Is it the mind that is meditating? Is it the body that is meditating? Or is there another factor which is like the combination of the self and conditioning that is doing the meditation? These things are very important to discover. So I am only speaking out so that we are not just um, parroting um, uh, a teaching without really going into the the real the real significant pointers to that of that teaching. So um, these are the discrepancies I've noticed. Uh, by all means, uh, Sri Ramana Maharshi, he encourage people to continue with the practice that feels most comfortable for themselves but he kept kept on reminding you know find out who is practicing you know and for what purpose who is the practicer itself if you are one who feels you know inquiry is not for me um more surrender is for me i remember one statement he said also that you must surrender the one who surrenders also and that sometimes took a more a longer time for people to digest what is he talking about because you know of course if the surrenderer surrenders everything surely that's enough who is going to surrender the surrenderer but it was such a powerful uh scooping out to say even the surrenderer if it doesn't surrender itself only survives as a surrenderer, who having surrendered everything else except himself. So these final steps have to be taken, and the swifter the better. Don't be dedicating six months, one year to any practice. If you say that, the thing is that if you say I want to spend the next six months to do self inquiry or to do you know bhakti yoga or jnana yoga. It's going to take you at least six months because the mind works like that. It's almost effectively like giving it a visa, a six months visa. It's not going to go home early. So I want people to really understand that, and and this is why I said actually, somewhere between the halfway mark, 
between the traditional Advaita teaching and practices and the Neo-Advaita movement. The freshness of the Advaita standpoint, the, 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 the Neo-Advaita standpoint, along with the, the, um, the focus, the depth and the commitment of the traditional Advaita practitioners will produce some good fruit. What is the fruit that we are talking about? Steadfastness in the Self, effortlessness, effortless conviction, even more than conviction, direct uh, experience, unshakable, irrefutable knowledge, where the knowledge, the knowledge and the beingness, they are the same thing. This will be the outcome of that inquiry, uh, which has been refreshed uh, like that. So I am not dismissing either movement or either practices, but just saying that this is where these are the common mistakes that are made by both. There are many people who it seems as though to say, you know, oh, but there's nothing to do, nobody there to get it, so on, goes right to the very core of Advaita, but it only seems to go there at a mental and on a mental level. There are many things that we can seem to understand mentally, that when you try to practice them, you cannot fulfil them through practice. So it is easy to make the mistake of grasping and say, Oh, yeah, there is only that. But life, being wise and beautiful, will always confront you and show and expose that your practice is not complete. Because if you say, There is nobody there at all, but the next minute you are suffering from the breakup of your relationship, or the loss of money, or something like this, then it shows you each time that there is still someone there, there is still this sense of personal presence behind the whole thing, pretending to be a non-presence, or a non-entity, or something like this. So I just said, be mindful of that. Mm. So it is possible for anyone who is on these paths, traditional Advaita, or Neo-Advaita, to realize themselves, it is possible, but it is not as easy as the neo Advaitists they pretend it is, or they claim it is. I have not seen anybody who has come from that who I feel they have done it. You understand? I feel as many people who think they have done it, but the smell is still there. I don't say it's not possible. I don't want to limit anything, because there are some beings who are really ready for that, who all they need is that final step, that final push, and that seeing is just all they need is to hear that, and something will pop right into place. Mm. But they are rare, and you cannot turn that into a technique. Uh, they will be one-offs. For the most part, uh, what the Neo Advaita standpoint is saying that if there is there is only the truth, all else is only ideas about the truth, shaped out of mis ill conceived identity, right? But that's true. But are you apart from that identity? Have you come out of it? You see, are you out of its grip? So. Ramana was not concerned about you know people getting things only intellectually. He wanted you to to get it right through and through to understand it. Where the old you shaped out of conditioning and I 
and ill-conceived concepts was completely merged or either it you can say that it thinned out completely it vanished or that it merged inside the heart and became a one unity one unitive being or something mm. you see so both the neo advaita practitioner and the traditional advaita uh, self inquiry practice they can both get it if depend upon the sincerity the sincerity and uh, and also the openness you see because it seems a bit ridiculous that something which is so simple and so clear is found to be difficult and the only difficulty that stands in the way the only thing that stands in the way is the ego itself and so it's no use one saying oh there's no such thing as ego and then clearly you know like we say the ego cannot smell its own breath so you're denying the sense of ego yet at the same time you exude ego you know your odor is ego so i don't think it is good i don't think that these people after a while anyway they give it up not the ego they give up the, the the claim because it becomes unbearable if you are making a claim about uh, something which is not true thoroughly after a while you're going to have to give it up because it will become very it will become a suffering for you mm. you see only the truth it takes tremendous energy to be the ego it takes no energy to be the self so the fruit of that correct inquiry is at the end you're again in your effortless being mm. not pretending not keeping up not sounding great in front of your spiritual friends but all these all those are gone for you mm. you're not the same whole you know mind is not the same old regime anymore it's been completely baptized inside the heart the energy of the heart and uh, it's pure again they're working in pure perfect synchronicity yeah you had mentioned something like those in the path of traditional advaita tend to take themselves too seriously can you can you expand on that? I was just joking, really, not so much. They they do sometimes take themselves too seriously. I said this because I met a number of them who was arguing fiercely, you know, and saying that, you know, it's not so easy like you say. I said it's true. It's easier than I say. You understand? It's 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 not even easy or hard. It's just is. And uh, if you if you um, insist that only a practice can reveal that which a practice cannot block, then you create these artificial barriers and distances, actually. I'm not saying that there should be no need for practice. Practice is going to be necessary. Practice is authentic up to a point, but only as is necessary. I gave the example that if your car has not been driven for a while and now the battery is dead, and you need to go to work you're going to have to push start it you know if you don't have somebody to help you in another way you maybe have to you have a few people around you have to push start it and that push start is effort and you're going to push and and 
and vroom, as soon as it fires up, you can stop pushing. And in the same with the self, in the beginning you're going to be pushing. With some effort, pushing means effort, because the mind comes in and distorts your your intention, and brings in doubts and resistances and so on. And there's not such any person who is exempt from that type of attack, you know. Resistances will come. Maybe this is not my right path, especially if the path is right for you. You start to feel this is not good. This is too heavy. And it's very mental, and a lot of different resistances come. And uh, you cannot just fend them off with just some parroting of some teaching. Although I am not, I am not really just making joke of that. I mean, there are people who genuinely. Understand it at a mental level, intellectual level, intellectual conviction. The whole business of the Advaita, new a new Advaita outlook, they understand it. But the understanding itself is mental, and it's not enough. They have not want to do it. They they denounce it practice. They denounce obviously ego and identity. And these people, many of them have families, and they are hell inside their families. Some of them, they are in such. They are so tight. It's like they put people off spirituality because people see them, and they're so tight they cannot hug because you know that's kind of emotional, and they just close themselves down. That's a big sadness for me to to hear about it. Because they feel no, no, no. They've got to be so rigid, and it just gives off the feeling that they're trying to keep something up. That's not true, because. There's a peace about truth. You're relaxed. You're you're comfortable with yourself, and you're comfortable with other beings. You're not, you know, you don't have to put up a shield in front of anybody. You know, you can see all the different perspectives, and you can converse in a very beautiful way. For the sake of you know, light seeing, and uh, and converse on these levels to to open up. And to bring light to areas that are previously kept in shadow and darkness, and set the prisoners free, set the captives free. <laughs> Isn't it? You have to set the captives free. Otherwise, what is it? We're not here to just debate and to confront. Confront when it's time to confront, but put poor light upon what is held in the shade, like that. So um, that is important for me. That people are given the chance to really look and to examine in an authentic way, mm. to just deny. If you are only denying, oh, this doesn't, then effectively you're in another kind of belief system. Mm. You know, don't do this. No, why? Mm. Because it doesn't exist. It's not enough. Mm. Even children don't accept that type of that type of training. But many adults do. You know, we just we're living on rumors. But we are here now speaking about direct experience, understanding, also, and it's sadly missing here. You know, either it's been replaced by sophistication hmm. of thought, hmm. posing as real knowledge, or it's altogether disregarded. You see, but understanding brings light and space again to people. It makes it gets rid of superstition, suspiciousness, doubt, ignorance. Mm. All of this is washed clean by the soap of 
perfect understanding and true knowledge. You see. And uh, what am I to speak about now? About the Advaita the traditional point, they themselves uh, are more consistent. Uh, they are willing to face the the often cathartic reactions that come up when you are onto a kind of what I would call um, some deep-rooted tendencies. As you begin to bring light towards those areas, you know you start things start to come up. You start to feel uncomfortable, and maybe this is what many of these people who are practicing new Advaita are afraid of. These cathartic reactions, because you don't know when it's going to stop, mm. but it's a genuine response to to looking deeply into the truth, and uh, you burp up the stale energies, whatever is not in service to the truth, they start to come to the surface. Like I say, if there's an earthquake in the ocean. The bubbles are coming from the bottom. They come to the top. They pop and they disappear. They don't go down. So something happens powerfully, and what happens is that the bubbles of discontent, of doubt and fear and resistance, they're coming to the surface. They pop, and they create a little bit somehow a bit of noise. But then the teacher, and you should, if you're able to to be, find a teacher who's in whose presence your heart feels comfortable, feels good. Even if you feel uncomfortable, it can be a good discomfort. Some people know how to how to read these things. They feel a little bit challenged, but they know on some level this is very good for me. Stay in this place and bathe in the light and the presence of such a presence, a teacher or something, who will guide you beyond the pitfalls of the ego and uh, and into the safe place. Where you go beyond these fears and suspiciousness, superstition, arrogance, egotism—all these things—they create very, very. Um, they create trouble inside the being. The teacher has the power, and the grace, and the authority to drive out these forces, or to help you to see them, and to walk side by side with you as you. Evict them through your own your own authority of seeing and that. So I encourage those people who are more of the traditional perspective now. Don't be afraid also. Uh, on a number of occasions, myself I have had to push to throw a grenade in the pram. As I said, sometimes you have to do that. You have to throw a, throw a grenade into the nursery. Nursery mean what? Very delicate concepts. Very delicate mm. concepts. Too protective. So I throw a grenade in there. You see, and uh, it's not a very nice image, but it blows up the place. And then somehow, when the air clears, then you get into a freshness. You see, mm. and it's very important. That in authentic seeing as well too, sometimes you feel some burning, you feel a fire, something. Sometimes, not always, but you know something is going. You're losing your sense of, oh, I know what's going on. You really don't know anything what's going on, 
and that really is a is a, is a blessed state. Surrender to it. Just be open, and you become like a child again. You see, the mind wants to know what's going on, and the master says, "Not your business. Keep quiet." You see, you have had enough time to know what's going on. Still, you don't know what's going on. Now you keep quiet. You see, and like this, you know, peace can return again to the being, mm-hmm. and that. Seems like the most important thing is on this path is to have a genuine urge for truth, and also to be with uh, someone that a master who has gone beyond. If you have a genuine urge for truth, then life will arrange the right master for you. If you don't have a genuine, you may have an urge, but maybe it has some selfishness, has some different things also. It may still bring you to a very, very good master. Also, depend. I, nobody can say about these things. But if you have a sincere wish or urge to discover the truth, then you don't need to worry. Your path will be fine. You meet somebody who meets somebody, know somebody, and the next minute you know you're in. The, you're sitting in somebody's front room, bathing in wisdom. You know. Because there are some people who are on the road for a very, very long time, mm. and there are others they just they just they just walk off the street and they're walking they're walking into the room of Nirvana itself. So nobody can know ahead of time, and uh, you know ultimately it's a win-win situation. Everybody has to come home. Some point. It's just a question of time. Mm. What would you say to someone who's who's listening to this talk and who is on either of these paths, and now maybe as a result of this talk is is kind of questioning like their own questioning is good. Their... Questioning is good. Initially, it might make you feel bring in a bit of confusion, but this just means that something is something is opened up again. Mm. Maybe it was tightening up a bit. Too early in the wrong direction, so now it opens up again. Some air gets inside it. Some breathes a little bit, and you know you have to be you have to bear these things. You have to be strong enough to bear these things. Otherwise, because you cannot be a wimp and find the truth, you know you have to you know have a bit of muscle. Mm. And so sometimes you get knocked about a bit, but you get up like a child, a little child. Look how weak they are, but they have the urge to to walk. And how many times they're gonna fall down? So many times, but they keep getting. They don't cry. Oh, I'm gonna fall down again. They just keep doing it until they they go through. Mm. And uh, and this is easier because it's not your mind, in a way, that you know is stirred into the desire for truth. It's something is a deeper movement, and it means that once you feel this movement, the whole universe is coming to serve you, actually. Mm. But also, there's something else inside that mix that is going to try and, you know, come up with resistances, which is some of the food you've swallowed over the years, also, and you're not quite sure if it's good or bad. And this this mix is going to be in the mix as well. Mm. But then you must exercise your powers of discernment and and uh, you see, move through all of this quickly. Come home and enjoy the rest of your life. 
it is says when they ask, you know, after you realize yourself, then what what is, what happens? They said, well, the rest of your life is to enjoy. But the sage's enjoyment is not like other people's enjoyment. They're not enjoying going around uh, doing foolish things. Their joy is just really, I I would say, it's more to see the beings coming awake to that recognition themselves. But I understand fully that the beingness is just joy. Everything it does, even if it's sick or whatever it is, it's still a joy on the lies, and it's greater than any other um, manifestations. It's just, it's just unstoppable. This joy, this inner space, this—I don't know if joy is the word. Joy is not a bad word, because everything feels so delightful. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. Open to accept, open to I don't mind. Mm-hmm. Open to open to myself.